This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. A'udhu billahi minash rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim High Excellence presents Jewels from the Holy Quran A series of lectures by Mufti Ismail ibn Musa Menk Lecture 5, choose 5 to 6 and quarter. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa, wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala ibadihi ladina stafa. All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and all his companions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on us and may he accept the salah that we've just engaged in and may he accept the fasts that we have been engaging in and may he grant us the acceptance to elevate spiritually inshallah during this month of Ramadan. Honored ulama, beloved brothers and sisters and dearest listeners, tonight we read verses of Surah An-Nisa and we completed Surah Al-Ma'idah as well. Surah An-Nisa, if you recall, yesterday we made mention of the fact that it is connected to the women folk and there are lots of rules and regulations which are pertaining to the women which happen to be in Surah An-Nisa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commences the sixth para or the sixth juz of the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a very, very important declaration. He says, لَا يُحِبُّ اللَّهُ الْجَهْرَ بِالسُّوءِ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ إِلَّا مَنْ ظُلِمٌ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ سَمِيعًا عَلِيمًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like for a person to make clear or to speak in public or to publicly state words which are defaming and bad about someone else unless the person has been oppressed. Which means generally a person would not be able to go out to others and say, you know that man is like this and this woman is like that because it would be regarded as ghiba. Ghiba means to backbite and we all know backbiting is bad. But where someone has oppressed you, where someone has wronged you and you need to make it clear to others for two reasons, then it's permissible. That is the green light that is given and it will not be considered as ghiba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِلَّا man ظُلِمْ Which means besides the one who has been oppressed. The first reason why it would be permissible is to rectify the problem. You need to speak to someone to say, listen, my dear brother, my dear sister, you are close to this man, this is what he has done to me. That would not be riba, because we are trying to solve the problem. The second reason is to make it clear to the public that listen, that man is a crook, so don't go near him. That is also permissible. If you have solid evidence and the man has wronged you or the woman has wronged you and you would like to stop the other believers from from dropping into the same hole and from being bitten from the same python, then obviously it is very, very Islamic to go out and tell the people that be careful here. Similarly, when it comes to the 
issue of nikah and someone comes to you and says, you know what, I'm interested in marrying so and so, what do you know about them? It is haram to lie and to cover up. You must tell the truth. If really you want to run away from it, say, look, I prefer you ask someone else. But don't ever lie to say, no, 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 everything is okay. The person is very, very good and I am happy for you. And deep down, you know that they've stolen from you. You've seen them doing wrong. You must make it clear because that is a very big amana. If not, you'd rather just point to someone else and say, you know what, why don't you ask someone else? You'll come out of it. And also when someone wants to do business with another person and they come to you and say, look, I'd like to do a business deal with so and so. You've done business deals with them in the past. What type of businessman is that? It is haram for you to lie. You have to say, look, they've stolen my wealth or they took three years to pay me so much rands and I incurred so many losses. It's up to you. I'm not saying don't do business, but this is what I have had. So this is something Islamic and it is not regarded as riba because there is oppression involved and our intention is one of two. Either to solve the problem or to make it clear to others so that they don't be bitten in the same way that we were. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over and above that says that if you are going to forgive such a person, if they've wronged against you and you are going to forgive them, it's better. But not everyone is on that level. As we mentioned yesterday, justice comes before goodness. Sometimes a person might be able to overlook the evil that someone might have done upon them or to them. But not everyone is capable of that. And even the same person, there might be a limit whereby after that, they will not be able to handle it. Take a look at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He handled the evil of the kuffar for a long, long time. Until one day, he declared war against them. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, now it's enough. Those who have been fought for all these years, now we grant them permission to revenge. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prepared an army to retaliate. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all understanding that, you know, forgiveness is up to a certain limit and it differs from person to person. The winner is the one who can forgive totally. But as I said, we are not all like that. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of Isa alayhi salatu wa salam. Why Isa alayhi salatu wa salam in this surah, Surah An-Nisa? I tell you, some of the mufassirin have said, it is in order to give hope to the women folk to show them that Maryam alayha salatu wasalam was a woman. But she was granted so much virtue that she was the mother of Isa alayhi salatu wasalam who was born miraculously and she was a great saint. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our women folk also great saints inshallah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make them inshallah closer to this deen and may He make us all also closer to this deen. Ameen. I see when we spoke about the women folk, people said Ameen very fast. But when we spoke about the men folk, I was waiting to hear the Ameen and I didn't hear it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all upliftment inshallah. Then what had happened is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made mention of the three aspects, the three major differences between us and the Christians. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies them in these verses. The first aspect is the fact that they say Isa alayhi salam was killed and crucified. So Allah clarifies it and says, وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ وَمَا صَلَبُوهُ وَلَكِنْ شُبِّهَ لَهُمْ He was neither killed nor was he crucified. But it was made similar to them. There was someone else who was actually crucified and they felt it was him. That is a long story in the history of Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. This is just a single verse clarifying that first point. The second point clarified is where they mention the issue of Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Ghost. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقُولُوا ثَلَاثَةٌ Don't say three. Don't say three. Don't say a trinity. 
Don't say God the Father, God the Son. There is no Father and no Son there. Allah is the Creator. The rest are the created. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. And as we've mentioned a few nights back, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the example of Isa alayhi salam and Jesus Christ is similar to that of Adam alayhi salatu wa salam. Allah said be and he was. So we should not undermine the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He creates human beings in four ways. He has created Adam alayhi salatu wa salam, no male, no female. He created Adam. He created Isa alayhi salam. In fact, Hawa alayhi salatu wa salam was created through a male without the involvement of a female. Amazing. And Isa alayhi salatu wa salam through a female without the involvement of a male. And all of us, we are created through male and female. That is the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah grant us all understanding. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies the third issue. And that is the issue where they say, He is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Him and his mother, Mary and Jesus, they both used to eat food. This verse is in Surah Al-Ma'idah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Nisa says, Isa alayhi salatu wasalam and the angels, they will not deny the fact that they are just worshippers of Allah. They will not be too haughty to claim and to declare the truth that they are just worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will utter that. So they were worshippers. In fact, Isa alayhi salatu wasalam is a worshipper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not a son of his. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. So Allah chose to clarify this issue in Surah Al-Nisa as well as other surahs. And I told you one of the reasons why Allah makes mention of this is to show us that every time you see a, a man who is very successful either in deen or in dunya, you should know that he has a mother. And every time you see a woman who is also successful, you should know that she has a mother as well. And the mothers definitely have a greater reward than anyone else because they held that particular child for a period of time and then gave birth and thereafter looked after the child when had she left that child, the child would have probably died. So that is the status of a, a, a mother and a female mentioned in Surah An-Nisa. In fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on in Surah An-Nisa to mention something even more. Names of many more of the prophets are mentioned in Surah An-Nisa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the prophets and He says, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَاعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ وَيَعْقُوبَ وَالْأَسْبَاطِ وَعِيسَىٰ وَأَيُّوبَ وَيُونُسَ وَهَارُونَ وَسُلَيْمَانِ وَآتَيْنَا دَاوُودَ زَبُورًا وَرُسُلًا قَدْ قَصَصْنَاهُمْ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ قَبْلِ وَرُسُلًا لَمْ نَقْصُصْهُمْ عَلَيْكَ وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَىٰ تَكْلِيمًا Look at all the names of the prophets. Each one of them had a mother. This is Surah An-Nisa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, you know, they are champions in the form of women who have really mothered all these prophets who were great warriors and who were great prophets chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their mothers were also chosen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose our women folk to being the mothers of the champions of this ummah inshallah. Ameen. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose us as males to also be the fathers of the champions of this ummah. Ameen. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, there were so many other prophets. Some of them we mentioned their names to you. Some of them we told you their stories. Some of them we did not tell you their stories. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that commences Surah Al-Ma'idah. What is the meaning of Al-Ma'idah? Al-Ma'idah means the laid tablecloth. 
I know it's the month of Ramadan, but alhamdulillah, at least at this moment we are not fasting. So we'll be able to speak about the laid tablecloth. This surah is named the laid tablecloth. The Mufassirin have mentioned two reasons. The first is at the end, there is a story of how Isa alayhi salatu was salam was asked by his disciples that we want a laid tablecloth to descend from heaven. And Isa alayhi salatu was salam made that dua. Some of the scholars say that that was the last supper. Some of the scholars say that that's what it was. But we believe that yes, the tablecloth laid with food from heaven descended. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it as a gift. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it as a sign. So for that reason, this surah is named after that, number one. Number two is, what do you have on a laid tablecloth? You have food. And that food, what is halal and what is haram, that is mentioned in the surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes, draws up a list of things that are haram. And He warns us about halal. And He tells us about our consciousness. The opening verse, He speaks about consciousness and he speaks about fulfilling the pledge ya ayyuhalladhina amanu awfu bil'uqud o you who believe fulfill your pledges and your promises he's speaking about food and he starts with fulfilling the pledge why simple answer because if someone can fulfill their pledge to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will automatically be concerned about what goes into their mouths. Is it halal? Is it haram? Is my sustenance halal? Is it haram? So it's very closely connected. Whereas a person who doesn't bother regarding the pledges he makes, so that person will not be bothered about the pledge that he or she has made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And after that, the person won't be bothered about whether the income is halal or haram, whether the food is halal or haram. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أُحِلَّتْ لَكُمْ بَهِيمَةُ الْأَنْعَامِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks immediately after that about what is halal in terms of the cattle. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our mouths from those mouths that can only put that which is halal in it by the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May He protect us from haram in every what way. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues and He says, a few verses down, He says, you must cooperate. Not only when it comes to halal and haram, should you cooperate with one another. But when it comes to all forms of goodness, cooperate with one another. Whenever there is something good to be achieved, help one another. And whenever there is something bad to be achieved, don't even be found near. Whenever something bad is happening, be furthest away. وَلَا تَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدَوَانِ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ Always assist and help and be together when it comes to goodness and righteousness and do not assist one another when it comes to haram, when it comes to sin, when it comes to that which will displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because then we will be breaking our promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is haram. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thereafter draws up the list and he says, حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةُ وَالدَّمُ وَلَحْمُ الْخِنْزِيرِ وَمَا أُهِلَّ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ بِهِ وَالْمُنْخَنِقَةُ وَالْمَوْقُوذَةُ وَالْمُتَرَدِّيَةُ وَالنَّطِيحَةُ وَمَا أَكَلَ السَّبُعُ إِلَّا مَا ذَكَّيْتُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws up a whole list of things that are haram. He says haram is the dead animal, the swine and so on. And the list is quite long. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from haram. As I said, it's Surah Al-Ma'idah, the laid tablecloth. We must ask ourselves when food is laid or when we are purchasing the food, is this halal or haram? I'd rather stay away from something I'm doubting than fall into haram. 
And for this reason, An-Nu'man ibn Bashir radiallahu anhu makes mention in a very famous hadith which is reported in Sahih Muslim, إِنَّ الْحَلَالَ بَيِّنْ وَإِنَّ الْحَرَامَ بَيِّنْ وَبَيْنَهُمَا أُمُورٌ مُشْتَبِهَاتٌ لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ فَمَنِ اتَّقَ الشُّبُهَاتِ فَقَدْ اسْتَبْرَأَ لِدِينِهِ وَعِرْضِهِ وَمَنْ وَقَعَ فِي الشُّبُهَاتِ وَقَعَ فِي الْحَرَامِ كَالْرَاعِي يَرْعَى حَوْلَ الْحِمَى يُوشِكُ أَنْ يَقَعَ فِيهِ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Halal is very clear. Haram is also very very manifest. In the middle, there is a gray area that we might not be sure. In the eyes of Allah, He knows whether it's halal or haram. But sometimes we might not be so sure. Whoever partakes from that has fallen into haram because of the doubt. And whoever abstains from it has protected himself or herself from haram. Just like a shepherd who is grazing his flock very close to the border of his land and he doesn't know whether it's his or someone else's. Obviously he is taking a huge risk and just grazing your flock on land that is questionable automatically renders that meat questionable. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah wa inna fil jasadi la This is in the hadith continuation of it. Ida salahat salah al jasadu kulluhu wa ida fasadat fasad al jasadu kulluhu ala wa hiya al qalb. The Prophet sallallahu says, In this body there is a little piece of flesh. If it is pure and clean, the whole body will be pure and clean. And if it is infested and infected, the whole body will be infested and infected. Definitely that piece of flesh is the heart. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purify our hearts. That is the root of everything. Root of goodness and root of evil, the heart. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us purity. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thereafter speaks about salah. Not a coincidence. Why salah? He spoke about firstly fulfilling the promise. Then he spoke about how we should help one another in goodness. Then he spoke about the list of things that are haram. Now he's speaking about salah. Why salah? Because a person who fulfills his pledge to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is concerned about his food or her food and income and sustenance, automatically the person's iman is becoming greater and stronger. And that person will then perform the salah or fulfill the salah in a better manner. Allah speaks about wudu. Why wudu? Because wudu is purification externally. You are washing your face and the organs. The internal purification is that heart we spoke about. And the food that went in also builds the body from inside. So it's important that everything is halal and in conformity to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. It's extremely important. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh you who believe, when you get up for salah, you must make sure that you have done your wudu correctly. In a nutshell, that is what the verse is telling us. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا قُمْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَاغْسِلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقَ وَامْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ Allah is now explaining the external purification in, the, in terms of wudu in preparation for salah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us steadfast in our salah. Some of the ulama have said that a person who is concerned about their wudu and their salah, and they come to the masjid five times a day, insha'Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save that person from consuming haram. Because the two are connected. And have we seen the connection tonight? And a person who is not bothered about whether they eat halal or haram, such a person would not really be interested in coming to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if you can't fulfill that, this is connected to it, how would we be able to come here? That is why when Allah puts it in our hearts to come to the masjid, we must realize that it's really a gift of Allah to us. 
Because if Allah does not want us in His house, we will never be here. Do you know if someone comes to your house, without knocking the door, they walk in. That means they have to be very close to you to do that. They come at food time, meal time, and they walk in and say, Salaamu Alaikum, how are you doing? What are you going to say? Come, let's sit down. Isn't it? That shows the closeness of the relationship. But if someone is distant, they don't know you, you don't know them, you've had a problem with them, they don't listen to you, you don't listen to them, they won't even come to your house. They won't even want to knock, even when they are in need. The same applies with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah's examples are far higher, obviously. But, a person who doesn't come to the masjid, it shows that they've got no relation with Allah. And a person who's always there, it shows that Allah loves them and they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why they find it so comforting to come to the masjid, even at the time of salah and outside the time of salah. Come to the masjid, read your salah, read your Quran and then go out. It's the best house in the area. The house of Allah, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that speaks about standing up for justice. We must be just, not only in declaring what's halal and haram, and not only in assisting one another when it comes to goodness, and, and not assisting one another when it comes to evil, but in everything we must be just. Stand up for justice. Don't worry about what someone is going to say when it comes to uttering the truth. We must utter the truth. With wisdom obviously, but we must utter the truth. We must not Spray the message with something gray, with gray paint, so that people don't see the message. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us clear as crystal. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really use us to speak the truth and to be just at all times. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of a brilliant verse, powerful. وَلَا يَجْرِمَنَّكُمْ شَنَآنُ قَوْمٍ عَلَىٰ أَلَّا تَعْدِلُوا اِعْدِلُوا هُوَ أَقْرَبُ لِلتَّقْوَىٰ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ Don't let your hatred for someone make you be unjust with them. No. When you dislike some nation, or when you dislike a certain type of people, or when for some reason you have had a problem with someone or some group of people, don't ever allow that hatred in you to be unjust. Because injustice is definitely something that will anger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't want someone to be unjust with me. So even if the person is a non-Muslim, even if they are enemies of Islam, even if they fought you in person, when it comes to the truth, utter it. No, you know this man, I've got a very big problem with him. But otherwise, he's a good man. He's really a gentleman. He speaks very well and so on. Be just. Don't let the hatred that you have for someone overtake you. And just punish them for nothing. You know, sometimes we have a problem with someone. Then we see their children in the masjid. And then we go and complain. You know what? Mu'addin. These people, these children are making a noise here. Or we give them one smack. And they go home and say, you know what daddy? This person smacked me. Was the smack genuine? Why should we be smacking somebody else's children? We should go to talk to them. But sometimes we are guilty because I've got a problem with the father. And I'm coward to face him. I go and give the child a smack. May Allah save us all. This is what is happening sometimes. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those who can stand up for justice at all times. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells that to us. Then he speaks about why the people of the book were cursed. Why the certain group of people were cursed. He says, فَبِمَا نَقْضِهِمْ مِيثَاقَهُمْ They broke their covenant. They promised Allah things. They, they said they were believers, but they didn't even go according to the book. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that that is why we cursed them, because they broke their promise. فَبِمَا نَقْضِهِمْ مِيثَاقَهُمْ لَعَنَّاهُمْ وَجَعَلْنَا قُلُوبَهُمْ قَاسِيَةً 
because they broke their promise to us, we cursed them and we made their hearts hard so that when the truth came to them, they rejected it. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam came, some of the people of the book who were around Medina, some of them accepted. But the others, their hearts were hardened. They knew he was right. يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ According to the Qur'an, they knew the prophets, they know the message, they know the Qur'an, as well as they know their own children. And they know that it's the truth. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they were cursed, their hearts were hardened, and therefore they didn't understand, and they didn't want to understand. Sometimes it happens to us, when we turn away, we break our promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what will happen? He, that is what happened to those in the past. Do we think it's not going to happen to us? So let's not transgress. And if we do, let's turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately if we have transgressed in the past. Because that is the mercy of Allah that will descend automatically and immediately when we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as soon as we have transgressed out of error or by human weakness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Let's not receive the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and let's not let our hearts become hard to the message. When someone comes to us and tells us what's right and wrong, we must tremble inshallah and it must at least make us think that you know what, I really need to get somewhere and I really need to get better inshallah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that speaks about the story of uh, the children of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, the first murder that was committed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of Habil and Qabil, Abel and Cain, and how Cain killed Abel, and so on. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it in these verses. I'm not going to go into the details of that, but it is very, very interesting how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught mankind how to bury their dead by sending crows. The crows were sent, one killed the other, and one buried the other. And then Qabil saw, because he had his murdered brother on his shoulder, and he then said, you know what, why don't I do what this crow did? But that was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sending you the crow to show you how to bury your dead. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of something that we all have a lesson to learn from. He addresses the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and he says, O Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, don't let something grieve you. What? Don't let the statements of those who come to you and in front of you they speak very nice and behind you they speak bad. Don't let those type of people grieve you. They are disbelievers. They are hypocrites. Don't let them grieve you. They are the ones who love to spread gossip. They are the ones who love to listen to lies, to believe the lies and to spread lies. And they like to listen to people who spread rumors about you, who don't even know you, who've never even seen you. Amazing. Listen to the verses. يَا أَيُّهَا الرَّسُولُ لَا يَحْزُنْكَ الَّذِينَ يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْكُفْرِ مِنَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا آمَنَّا بِأَفْوَاهِهِمْ وَلَمْ تُؤْمِنْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ هَادُوا سَمَّاعُونَ لِلْكَذِبِ سَمَّاعُونَ لِقَوْمٍ آخَرِينَ لَمْ يَأْتُوكَ Allah says, O Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, don't let those disbelievers grieve you who come to you and speak good words and then behind you they speak bad and evil. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, some of the people of the book are guilty of the same. They are doing the same. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. And Allah says, describing those who make life difficult for others. Allah says, they are the ones who believe gossip, they listen to it, they spread it. So the message here is twofold. One is, for the perpetrator 
we need to ask ourselves, do we make other people's lives difficult by spreading rumors about them, by spreading gossip, by talking about them behind their backs, and when we meet them, oh, salamu alaikum, we show all 32 teeth, mashallah. And then behind them, we are frowning and we are spreading the, the, the worst rumors about them. If that's the case, surely we might be cursed, just like those people were cursed. So we should stop that. So one is the perpetrator and the other is the victim. If you are the victim of such statements, Allah says, لا يحزنك الذين Allah tells His message, His messenger, don't let those people grieve you. Don't let them grieve you. Don't worry about them. Don't stress. And don't be distressed by their statements. Just carry on. You be focused and continue. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control. Allah speaks about those people who are bent on spreading rumor and spreading tales about others and being concerned about others' lives. Allah says, Those people Allah did not want to cleanse their hearts. Remember we spoke about the heart and the softening of the heart. People who spread tales and are bothered about others, Allah says, them, we don't even intend to clean their hearts. Do you know the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Tuba liman shagalahu aibuhu an uyubin nas. Glad tidings of, a, of an abode in Jannah for the one whose own weaknesses occupy him from engaging in the weaknesses of others. Whenever you want to talk about someone else's weakness, think about yourself. What about your weaknesses? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all strong. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the limits of friendship with the people of the book. We are allowed to befriend them, but to a degree. We are allowed to have business dealings and so on, but we should know we must not give preference to them over our faith. So you must not be, for example, if you are invited to a function by someone who's not a Muslim, you may attend if that function is within the limits of the Sharia, but don't give up your Islamic dress code. Don't give up something Islamic in order to achieve that, because those are the limits. And the limits are set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He warns those who give preference to others over the Sharia and over the Quran and the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, a day of tormentful and grievous, meaning very painful punishment is coming. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not do that to us. And may Allah make us conscious of the fact and may He make us proud Muslims who really can uplift this deed without being worried. Because really, we believe in religious freedom. We let others do what they want to do for as long as they don't trample on our feet. And we do what we want and we do not trample on other people's feet. No one forces anyone else to do anything. The Muslims don't force the non-Muslims to do something. And the non-Muslims should not also force the Muslims to do something. We firmly believe in this freedom. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant that to us. And may He make us from amongst those who can understand that. Ameen. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks again about halal and haram. And he says, O oh, you who believe, listen very carefully. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu la tuharrimu tayyibati ma ahallallahu lakum wa la ta'tadu. O oh, you who believe, do not declare something that I have made halal, haram. Don't say this is haram when you don't know. So it's better you say, I'm not sure about it and I won't eat it. Rather than labeling things haram because that becomes very dangerous. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Hunting. And he speaks about hunting in the condition of ihram. And I think I will end on this point or maybe mention one more point. That's a very interesting verse. He says, Ya amanu la sayda wa antum hurum. O you who believe, don't hunt 
whilst you are in the condition of ihram. And then he says that I will cause the animals which you normally hunt to come so close to you whilst you are in ihram to test you, to see do you believe or not? Are you going to listen to my law, laws or not? Are you going to obey instructions or not? My dear listeners, this is an example for our whole life, not just for ihram. Do you know as Muslims, haram, if you'd like to commit it, it's very, very near. But Allah says, Allah wants to know who fears Him. Who fears Him? Unseen. Meaning, when nobody is watching besides Allah, do we still go and commit the sin? So Allah says, He will bring certain haram very, very close to you. So easy to commit. But he wants to watch. It's a test. It's not that, hey, you know what? If Allah didn't want me to commit it, why did he bring it so close? That's what some people say, especially some of the youngsters. When they want to justify, they say, you know what? But it came right to my doorstep. What could I do? May Allah protect us. We shouldn't do that. Allah brought it to our doorstep in order to test us. Are we going to stay away from it? Fearing Allah, if we do that, inshallah, we get Jannah in return. Or are we going to fall in it and fail our test? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, قُلْ لَا يَسْتَوِي الْخَبِيثُ وَالطَّيِّبُ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكَ كَثْرَةُ الْخَبِيثُ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ يَا أُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ Tell them, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that evil and goodness is not equal. Even though you might be amazed and amused by the amount of evil around you, it might be more than the goodness, but that does not make the goodness evil, and it does not make evil goodness. No matter who engages in what, our criteria is not whether the world is doing it or not, our criteria is whether the sharia allows it or not. Let's understand that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us strong. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.